What's up, Bucketheads? It's Joe with at CBB DFS. We are back again. This is the first regularly scheduled Friday podcast for the Saturday morning showdowns. Bird, James are with me as always. Guys, how you doing? Doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah, let's roll, baby. Yeah, we got a kind of a big one early. Uh, now, it feels a little bit to me like they built a slate around a feature game, but that feature game is right out of the gate and we're, I'm talking about number one, Gonzaga versus number two, Baylor. We're going to hit on that in great detail at the at the end. But, James, I'll go to you first. What's uh, what's your overall feel of the slate today? Not real great, to be honest. I think there's there's some decent games, but, um, you know, obviously the big one, Gonzaga-Baylor, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on that, a lot of good players there. We'll find some hidden gems in some of the other ones, but I uh, would have liked to have seen some a little bit uh, higher over-unders maybe, but uh, that's what we get. Yeah, well, we we can work with this though, and and I was peeking at your guys' notes, and I think Bird, you even found some hidden gems for us too that we'll talk about later. Yeah, I think some of those under the radar teams have probably some good value plays. Uh, like the Gonzaga Baylor game's pretty tightly priced. UConn, NC State is going to be a really fun game, but you know it's it's kind of hard to tell who's exactly going to blow up in those. But but we do have some good value plays along the way, and and yeah, it's just awesome to have basketball going one versus two. I mean, Gonzaga looks phenomenal. Baylor looked great. Uh, sorry, James, but but yeah, it it's gonna be fun. Well, it, and for me, if you give me Eastern Washington on a slate with Lipscomb, let's go. No, yeah, <laughs> no. But honestly, that's where we're gonna find our value, isn't it? Yep, it, it sure is. Hey, uh, Bird, one thing we didn't do when we did our season opening pod last time out is we didn't catch up on reviews, and I know we had one out there. Can you uh, give our Bucketheads an update on our reviews? So real quick, you know, so we have our podcast out there on any of the standard podcast providers, and, if you know, it's great if you could leave us a review. A five-star review would be great. Uh, if you want to leave a comment, we will read those uh, during our podcasts. Um, so, yeah, rate, subscribe, review. That, that would all be really helpful. Um, but we do have the last one we got was from PWL. And he said, I'm new to DFS, but a longtime college hoops fan that hadn't been paying much attention over the last couple of years. I gave your podcast a listen and I am hooked. You have rekindled a passion for college hoops and my DFS abilities have steadily improved. Thanks, Bucketheads. And, and so that's awesome. Like that's kind of exactly what we are about, right? We're just, you know, trying to create excitement around college basketball, uh, you know, create that community. And, and so that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, PWL, thanks for sharing that. And, and you know, that's that's awesome. And we get a lot of feedback on Twitter. Um, we don't we don't read those on here, but the the reviews on the podcast really help. The more listens we get, the more exposure we get, uh, the more it allows us to do for you guys as we move up certain charts here and there. We have gotten a lot of comments on on Twitter lately, uh, and and there, we do get some questions like uh, who to start, who to sit, and and, and we we don't get to all of those. And, and really, we're just trying to give you guys as much information as we can to help you make your lineups. You know, so trust your gut on on some of those. You know, if we don't get to you. It's probably because we're kind of neutral on the stance. You know, trust your gut. Uh, we'll try to give you all the all the information we can so you can make your best lineups. And again, love the interaction, love the feedback, and 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 looking forward to helping you guys win a, win a lot of money this year. It's what we do, and uh, we've had some people win some money early. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, like usual, guys, we got these games, these six games, bucketed into our three groups: games we don't want to go overboard on games that we're kind of in the middle on, and then games that we definitely want to dive into, that dive-in section at the end. We're broken down 2-3-1 uh, today, and to kick us off in the don't-go-overboard section, Bird, why don't you tell us about Washington State, Colorado? Looks like the lowest over-under on the total here. Yeah, Colorado is going to be a home game here, 11-point favorite uh, per Ken Palm, uh, over-under of 137. 
Washington State's kind of a middle of the road team in terms of pace, but but they played two games where they barely scored in the or they've scored in the 50s. They played one game where they where they barely scored over 70, and that was against an up-tempo team. Uh, so so they really struggled out of the gate. There's probably not a lot of great options from the Cougars' perspective. Uh, the one kind of guy who's always viable for them is is Isaac Bonton. He's at 7600. He's playing over 90% of the minutes. He has mid 30s usage. He has really solid assist rates. And so at 7600, he he's a reasonable play just because you know he's always going to have the ball in his hands. He's always going to be getting up shots. And, and so he's probably the best uh, option if you're wanting to play someone from the Cougars. Otherwise, they've got some kind of marginal plays. Noah Williams had a really good game uh, last time out against Eastern Washington. But again, Eastern Washington's an up-tempo team. Uh, he's going to have a lot more resistance than against Colorado. There's a, a Slovenian uh, Jazz Kunsi who's 4,900. He's been playing about 70% of the minutes. He's kind of a 4X guy, uh, but keep an eye on if Tony Miller is going to play or not. If Tony Miller returns, that would really cut into his time. Uh, and so really, that's kind of it from a Washington State perspective. Again, there's just not a lot to get super excited about here uh, at Colorado, low over under, uh, you know, so, so certainly... Like we say in the in the title, don't go overboard on that side of the of the fence. Is it fair to say that uh, Washington State tends to spread their minutes around? I see a guy like uh, Jack Amofsky that played 31 minutes in the last game against Eastern Washington. Uh, is that there's no trend there probably, right? It's just kind of riding the hot hand, and some guys are maybe play a little bit more probably. game to game. Yeah. 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 I, I think so. It, it's, it's a little bit of uncertainty. If Tony Miller is eligible or if he's healthy and back in the lineup, then you've got another body in there uh, that kind of messes things up too. So that's something to monitor though, for sure. That's, you know, when we get early in the season like this, that's the most maddening thing that and foul trouble, but the foul trouble is going to be another topic for another day. God, it drives me insane. But mm-hmm. uh, early in the season, these rotations are really getting figured out at this point. It's hard to, uh, hard to see which way teams are going to go. Yeah, for sure. From the Colorado perspective, you know, McKinley Wright's back. Uh, he's priced all the way up to 8800 uh, this year. He's been a kind of a mainstay in DFS for the last three years. It feels like the last 30 years. And, and he has a super high floor. You know, he's, again, the point guard. going to have the ball in his hands all game long. Do I think he's going to score 30 DK points, 35? Yeah, probably. Do I think he's going to smash the slate? No, not not at all yet. He just, he's never really showed a ceiling. Super consistent, probably a, probably a reasonable cash game play. Uh, but 8,800 is, is is a pretty tall price, and and so I, I, I expect 30, 35 points, which is which is good, um, but probably not going to ever smash. Um, Deshaun Schwartz uh, is out with COVID right now. Maddox Daniels has been starting in his place at small forward. He's way overpriced. Um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Jariah Horn from Tulsa last year. He's a transfer. Mm-hmm. You know Tyler Bay's gone now, so they've got a big hole at power forward. Uh, he's been coming off the bench, but he's averaging 10 points, five rebounds. Um, so, so he's a possible 4x option. And then Evan Batty is is, is back. He's 4600 playing at center. He had seven double-digit uh, games last year in the Pac-12. He hasn't done a whole lot this year yet, but he is starting. He is their center. He's only 4600. So, if, if you're in desperation mode, uh, you know he's a guy you could look at. And then somebody I think we should really monitor, uh, kind of moving forward, maybe long-term, uh, Jabari Walker. Yeah, plays a little bit of the four, four, plays a little bit of the five. He's a freshman, but he's really influenced the game. Looks like a really good athlete, really good player. Um, so Jabari Walker is someone that we should keep our eye on in the future from Colorado as a guy who who might uh, really emerge or blossom into a into a DFS stud. 
Yeah, he's got huge usage rates for the limited time that he's on the floor. So when he's got it, he's definitely active from what it looks like. Yeah, and he's doing doing things across the board, right? Like he's 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 got steals, he's got blocks, he's got rebounds, he's scoring a little bit. Like he, he's doing a little bit of everything, and, and the coaches have raved about him. So I think as the year goes on, he's probably going to play more minutes. Um, it might be too early to pull the trigger on him now, but um, especially in this low low environment, um, we have some other value plays that are out there. But just a guy to keep an eye on. For sure. With that, let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about our next game here. It's it's in my bucket. It's Houston and South Carolina. Houston. The Houston Cougars. Uh, these two teams played last year, and Houston won this game by 20 points. They're opening up as a 10.5-point favorite, and the over-under is 141. First of all, I love the under. Before we get into the DFS plays, and, and I, I like to think that South Carolina is better than um, what they've shown, but they're they're really good at letting me down. So right now I'm leaning taking South Carolina in the under. I definitely like the under. I don't know about the line. We'll see how much that moves tomorrow. But, yeah, like I said, these two teams played last year. Houston won the game by 20 points. That was in SC. Houston brings back a lot of the same characters from last year, names that we know like Quentin Grimes and our, our boy Neon DeAndro. You think of a guy like Jero, he's 6,600 tomorrow. This is a point guard that gets over one point per minute he's on the floor. So I, we always think he's in play. I think he's capable of uh, – breaking a slate with his skill and his ability to impact the game in multiple ways. He's a guy that is definitely live in GPP plays. Quentin Grimes, he's going to be your uh, highest-priced Houston guy at 7,400. Um, not only is he scoring, but he's had some rebounding to his game this year, um, pulling down about 7.3 boards. He also gets up about seven trays a game, too, so those three-point bonuses, those are that little half-point will add up after a while. It's another reason why I like Houston's Marcus Saucer. Um, he's 6,400. He's hitting four out of eight threes on average per game this year. So Saucer is someone that has me interested at 6,400. Of the main-priced Houston guys, I think all three of those top three are very playable. If you're looking for some value, a name I got down here is Justin Gorham. He's 4,500. He played 32 minutes last game and had nine and seven. Um, that was the first time they played in a real competition against Texas Tech. So Justin Gorham's minute log went 18, 17, 32 in the game, the first game that mattered. So I think at 4,500, you might be able to get a sneaky double double out of Justin Gorham. On the South Carolina things, Cousinard right now is really taking all their shots. Um, he's 6,300 tomorrow. Um, he leads the team in usage and shot rate. The usage is at 28%, and the shot rate's at 35%. I don't know where A.J. Lawson is. This is a guy who's flirted with the NBA the last two seasons, but really can't even get it right in college. Maybe he's someone who just blooms up the next level because, you know, it seems like he's regressing to an extent. So I'm probably off A.J. Lawson, even though that 6,500 is very enticing. Um, a play I do like on South Carolina is Keyshawn Bryant. And Bird, you're a Keyshawn Bryant guy. He's a big dude, super athletic, plays on the wing. Um, but he's at 4,600. That's because he's not the most offensively gifted player, but he has opportunities. He's got a 26% usage for this team. It just, he doesn't have the offensive skill to match it. But uh, for 4,600, you're getting a really athletic person in a really hard-nosed game. So Keyshawn Bryan is a live play for me. And then James, this one's just for you. I put a note on here that says, don't play Seventh Woods. Um <laughs> <laughs> The North Carolina transfer is only playing about 13 minutes a game. 
Um, he couldn't get on the court for North Carolina. You thought something was up. Now he can't get on the court for South Carolina. That's Seventh Woods, probably seventh pre- best in his family. <laughs> it's pretty wild too, because uh, people that follow uh, kind of high school recruits and probably remember his YouTube videos back when he was a freshman in high school. Oh my God, they were bananas. Yeah, explosive athlete, uh, could dunk all over the place. So I, a lot of people really thought, you know, myself included, thought he was going to be something, but uh, just hasn't worked out for him. It really hasn't. But uh, I got that as a little special note and a reminder. Uh, you know, it's it's a common thing, especially for new DFS players, to see a name that they recognize the price tag next to them and be like, yeah. oh, yeah. I remember that guy's <laughs> YouTube video. He's going to go off. Don't do it if you listen to this pod. So now watch him go off tomorrow night. I right. hope he does. <laughs> yeah, hey, Joe, and you may have mentioned it, but you know, Caleb Mills uh, missed the second half of last game. He, he's been kind of hurt a little bit for Houston. Uh, and so that would that would certainly help the the, ceiling, or the floor and the ceiling a little bit for Grimes and Sasser and, and, and Jarreau. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, at 4,400, you know, it's something we're going to monitor is his status because he's a, he's, a, he's a big contributor for them when he's right. But um, Caleb Mills, it definitely, if he misses, that's more for Sasser, more for Jarreau, and more for Grimes. I think those guys um, are, are live really formats. Um, your cash games, I think all three are safe. And Jero, probably more of a GPP option, but then even Sasser and Grimes are good in GPP too, especially if Houston has their way in this game like they did last time. That being said, as I said on the onsite, I, I, I am taking the under in this one, and I think South Carolina keeps it close. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see a you know a 64 to you know 40, 64 to 54 final. You know that, that would not be shocking at all. Yep, I agree. And guys, those are the only two that we have in the don't go overboard section. Um, those are the only two that we're, uh, we're saying just maybe don't stack this game. Maybe just take a play or two. We think there's some plays here. We don't want to necessarily load up on these games. Now, flipping into that tread water section, the, the mid-range games, the ones where we want some exposure, and there's probably going to be some good value on both, star, both sides. Let me go to James with NC State and UConn. Yeah, so this is a game that's taking place in... Uh, Connecticut, actually. Um, and UConn right now is favored by one over under 143. Uh, so expecting these teams to get close to 70 anyway. You know, with these two teams, they're both really, really good at defending the three. And I think that's for a couple different reasons. Connecticut uh, just has some really good guards in Book Knight, RJ Cole, uh, really good perimeter defenders. NC State, is just sort of part of their defensive scheme, I think. Um, they just tend to run players off the line and, and try to funnel things in. Um, they've been doing that for, for a couple of years. So I don't, um, if you want some of the numbers here, uh, I think UConn's holding teams 29% from three. We're dealing with pretty small sample size, keep that in mind. Uh, Wolfpack uh, are only allowing uh, 28% of field goal attempts or three-point attempts uh, from the opposing team. So, you know, if you see a shooter and you're, you're kind of on the fence, you know, maybe it's maybe it's good to fade them uh, on both teams. That being said, UConn should have a little bit of a rebounding edge here. Um, both teams are not super fast. NC State tends to try to play up tempo. They haven't done that as much so far this year. UConn's ranked uh, 322 in tempo, so they like to slow things down. Uh, been pretty good defensively. NC State likes to spread minutes around, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for us. but um, I think some of the plays that I, I like in this in this particular matchup, James Booknight, I think you can look at, 
and GPP is 300. He's kind of the lead guard for UConn. Only been 3x the last couple games. I think he's a little bit more scoring dependent. So for me, it's a little bit risky. You never know when he can kind of get loose. Um, so definitely GPP player there. Another player I like on this team that uh, has been playing a little bit more lately is Tyrese Martin. He's a, another guard, uh, 5,600. He's a Rhode Island transfer. Uh, he had 11 and 7 against USC. So it's somebody that seems seems to be coming into the fold a little bit more each game. Uh, so right now, 5,600 is a price that uh, you know you can get him at. And Josh Carlton, who's 6'11", he's kind of their big guy. Um, he had 30 minutes against USC. He's only 4,500 right now. Uh, so if he continues to get that kind of playing time, um, you know, he could easily hit five or six X with uh, points and rebounds. Uh, Isaiah, is it Whaley? Whaley? Okay. Yep. Uh, 7,500. Uh, again, his minutes are kind of on the rise. He's a, a bit of a blockhead. He has uh, 10 blocks in the last two games. Uh, that's not something that we <laughs> normally look at. But I think when you see an excessive number like that, um, an opportunity there that, uh, you know, certainly in cash games, um, that's something that you can kind of look at to help kind of even the field there. But yeah, he's uh, super aggressive on the offensive glass, yeah. too. So Whaley's a fun play, but they're starting to catch on to that and price him accordingly. Josh Carlton, he got a lot of minutes last game because of the Mobley guys down low and right. he responded. So I think he could get rewarded a little bit in this one. Well, and you've got Bates and Thunderbird down low that are, you know, 6'10", 6'11", as well, right? Exactly. So it's, it's exactly. kind of a, a nice matchup. Yeah, that's a good segue. I think uh, Bates and Thunderbird right now are, are kind of a tough call. They're sort of cannibalizing each other's minutes. Bates is uh, 5,400, Thunderbird at 5,200 right now. But I think, you know, they got opportunity, right? You saw what Evan Mobley did in that last game, uh, had a huge game, had four blocks, I think. Um, Manny Bates right now is... Uh, I think 13th in the nation in block percentage, according to Ken Palm. So not to keep on the block thing, but <laughs> it's, a block party. For, it's a block party. If you're looking for edges, you know, that might be a way to differentiate between those two players in particular. Um, but I, I probably like Bates a little bit more in, in GPP. Or if they show um, up on prize picks too, you know, those blocks are, the box oh, is yeah. crucial. Three apiece. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. NC State's kind of got a three-headed monster right now with Devin Daniels, Jericho Helms, and uh, Cam Hayes, a freshman. And their usage and shot share are almost identical across the three. Uh, Devin Daniels, you probably remember his name if you followed him or followed us the last couple of years. Uh, he's probably the safest play, uh, more of a cash play, plays the most minutes. Cam Hayes, I think, is probably a little bit more of an upshot. Uh, again, he's a freshman and... Uh, you know, is obviously contributing quite a bit already. So I, I, I like him at 6,000, a little bit more in GPP. Devin Daniels, a little bit more in cash. Um, but should be a good game. I think Bird had mentioned uh, right before we got on here that the, the slate smasher could come out of this game, and uh, I definitely agree. Yeah, and, and James, you know, they, they won their first game by 35. They won their second game by 35. They won their third game by you know 30. So their minutes are probably down a little bit just because it's blowout central. Sure. Right? So they, they've kind of got those those five or six key rotation pieces that are going to play a lot and, and then i guess you kind of started at the beginning about how both teams kind of defend the three really well uh braxton beverly is down there at at i think 4200 mm-hmm. and, and that's a gimmick right is he he's he's a three-point yeah, shooter but he's played sure. pretty good so far he's an experienced kid he's a senior he would be like a, a, against the stat type of play but at 4200 you can yeah. probably go against the stats a little bit if you need that one of those price savers down low yeah absolutely absolutely i, I probably pretty low owned 
you know, too. So that, that it wouldn't be a bad play to, you know, contrarian play. Yeah, I like the thought of, you know, a slate break, a slate breaker potentially emerging from this game. It's got all the ingredients for one, that's for sure. Yeah. Tight line, a little bit unpredictableness to how teams are playing. I, I, that's, I think it's very possible. Yeah, well done, James. I like it. You nailed it. Your hometown team, your, your insider information. That's right. Really just coming through. Get, got the inside info. Can I move on to the bison, bison of Lipscomb then? Uh, I cannot wait to talk about Lipscomb. <laughs> <laughs> They've got some legit good plays. I mean, this is no they, joke. They do. They do. Honestly, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you have to like about this Arkansas Lipscomb game. Arkansas, remind you, is a team that put up 142 a couple of games ago. So um, we know that team's not afraid to get enough points. They did it last year, and they'll continue to do it this year. Now, Lipscomb's not the fastest team in the world, but they're going to have to keep pace. And they're going to do this with a couple of shooters. The team is actually shooting about 38% from three on the year. Again, like James said, small sample size, but they might have to keep that hot shooting going. And really what I like here is a couple of uh, wing and guard players for them. Starting off uh, at 5,800 is Romeo Ferguson. He's our leading scorer. He's a guard, uh, but he has a 28% shot share on this team. So Romeo Ferguson is definitely in play because we think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. You know, now that I, I'm going to talk myself into the over of 143 as we go through this. The second guy on here that we need to pay attention to, though, he's listed as a forward for 5,500. His name is Asan Asadula. Asan Asadula. He's 5,500. He leads the team with a 29.5% usage rate. His shot share is 26.9%, and he fills up the ancillary stats, too. Mm. So you're talking 12 a game, 6.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists. The only negative I could find on Asadula, he's a bit of a turnover head, turning it over five times a game. So if you're okay, especially we talked last segment about prize picks, turnovers will bite you in the backside there. DK, you can kind of live with them a little bit more. Asan Asadula is going to give it to the other team probably five times tomorrow. Yeah, Asadula um, the Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> the the last name I have here on the Lipscomb side of things is Greg Jones. A lot less creative name than Asadula, but Greg Jones is 5,000 on the nose. He's leading the team in minutes. 5,000 bucks for someone who plays 35 minutes a game. That's not too terrible. And he's also the one who has the greenest of all green lights uh, for a three on that team. He gets up about almost seven a game. Um, he doesn't have the gaudy usage or shot shares, but if you're getting up seven threes a game, you got a chance to do some stuff. So Greg Jones is interesting to me, especially in the GPP format, especially in the game where you're probably going to be trailing and playing a little catch up. So Greg Jones needs to be on radars. Now to the bad news. And I say bad news because I mentioned Arkansas's 142 point game earlier this year. Hell, they're averaging 94 points a game right now. That's going to regress we know that, but right now the pricing for Arkansas is stupid, and uh, I mean that in a loving way. There's six players here that are over 7K. That's your starting five and your six man that are over $7,000. So really hard to justify the prices. I mean, am I am I insane here? I mean, I mean you could weed through the trash bird, but I mean this is this is just so lopsided. Yeah, nobody's going to play Connor Van over at 8,700. I, I like his, you know, I hopefully he's still doing his braided hair with the pony combo that he did back in Cal in the day, but, like, it's, yeah. it, it's but, crazy. But, but Van he's, over, he's a good player, but. 
he's a good player and he's got two 40 burgers in a row. Uh, he had a six point 20 rebound game and a 20.6 rebound game. I think I have my numbers a bit off there, but he had back to back 40 burgers in different ways. And now he's priced at 8,700, but this was some gangly pigtailed freshman at Cal two years ago that you just wanted to force feed cheeseburgers to. And now he's dropping 40 DK a game. I'm rooting for Connor Vanover. I want to, I want to see him uh, become a real major college player but 8,700 is a little too much right now. Um, I I can't pay that price. Desi Sills, he's 8,000. Desi Sills, again, he's their elder statesman on the team. He's the guy who's been in the system for two years, but he's just a guy. I mean, he, he was, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but this is your lead guy with 17, 17% usage and a 15% shot share. I'm not paying 18,000 or excuse me, $8,000 for that. Uh, just not doing it. Yeah. And um, single digit rebounding rates, single digit assist rates. Right. He, he's, he's, a, he's a good complimentary player, but for $8,000, I want to lead alpha dog who has the ball in their hands a third of the time. Right. Uh, it may, it makes a lot of sense to me. Some of the other 7,000 players that might look appealing, but I'm trying to wean you off the trap. Uh, uh, JD note. Um, that guy's only playing 20 minutes a game, but man, is he, uh, is he producing when he's in the lineup? I don't know if I'm ready to uh, to just assume he's going to keep repeating this. Again, regressions probably do. If I had to choose one of the six guys that are 7K plus, I do like Justin Smith. He's 7,200. He's listed as a forward. He's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's really their best best value. He's he's fifth in pricing of the six guys at 7,200, but he's leading the team in fantasy points per game. He's getting 30 fantasy points per game. And at, at his price um, uh, at 72, I think he's good for 4X, and he does have that upside with the rebounding that he provides, the, the you know the two steals of games, the two assists of games, to hit some ancillary stats to be a decent GPP play as well. Outside of that, I just I can't. I can't recommend it, anyone else on the Arkansas side of the team. So I'll probably take uh, Abdullah the Butcher, um, maybe Greg Jones and uh, Justin Smith from this one if I want to stack it. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm off most of the Arkansas guys. You think uh, when this Arkansas team gets in a little bit you know, more competition, a little bit tightly contested, do you think that that lineup will kind of condense a little bit and start relying on more senior guys, more talented guys? I think so. I, I, I think so. Because right now the numbers are so skewed. You know, you beat someone a hundred by a hundred right. points, and you know the minutes are going to go to the bench, and the bench guys are going to perform because there's just that much of a talent gap. I'm, I'd be interesting to see this team in three weeks what their numbers look like. You know who the guys are. You know, um, you know who's going to get you 30 minutes a game. That's Smith. That's Desi Sills. That's Moses Moody. And then the other, the rest of the team. Outside of maybe maybe Jalen Tate, they're guys who are just rotating in and trying to figure out the the forward positions and how they're going to break down the minutes there. But the backcourt's pretty much set. Yeah, and we didn't talk much about Moses Moody. But, you know, if, it, if Bucketheads get a chance to watch him, he is going to be a really great player. Six six yeah. small forward has a beautiful shooting stroke. Uh, he, he's going to be a really good, really fun player to watch at, at, at some point. Again, they're they're just so grossly overpriced that you know, this is what happens when you score 142 points in your opener. You get you get priced up. 
And I, I don't hate Moses Moody and Cash. You're talking about a guy who's getting 17 a game, but he also rebounds. He's handing the ball off. He's playing defense. You know, uh, he gets up the three. I love that. It seems to be my running theme through this episode. But um, Moses Moody is, is is fine in cash. And and you can probably take some of these other guys in cash. But we're looking to win all the money, not just some of the money. Um, but that uh, brings us to our next game that is in our Treadwater section. Uh, as we put a bow on Lipsco and Arkansas, let's move to Arkansas and Eastern Washington. Uh, yeah, so, so Arizona. Arizona. Uh, no, Arkansas still in the brain. They got me flustered. Arizona and Eastern Washington. Yeah, so Eastern Washington's actually been on or was at least supposed to be on a lot, a lot of slates so far this year. So we know a little bit about them. Um, but Arizona is going to be a 13-point favorite at home uh, in Tucson. And, and again, over-under of 147, which which we love. I mean, that's this is this is good. Arizona gets an up-tempo game. They get paced up here. Eastern Washington, actually, their first game, they got hit hard with COVID. They only had six guys that were like actually could play last game. And actually, they hung in there. They, they, they played pretty well. Um, but again, they play super fast, and, and all their players should be back uh, for this game. And, and they're all priced really low. Uh, so, so there's, again, like Lipscomb, there's some really good targets here. Uh, Jacob Davison is 4,700. He's, he's, he's their best player. Uh, he got in foul trouble last game a little bit. Um, which hurt it, but he's taking like 30% of the shots. He, he's it's not good when you're only dressing six. Well, yeah, and you get you get in foul trouble early, so I'm sure he <laughs> he couldn't play defense at all, right? No. So yeah, it it was be he, like he you in high school. Yeah, he he hit. It was a weird game, right? But uh, he's their best player, and he's only 4,700. Uh, Kim Aiken Jr. is their second best player. He had top 35 rebounding rates last season. Um, he's going to have strong usage as well. He's 5,000. Uh, Jumping Jack Perry played all of game one, but that was because they didn't have anybody else on the team to play. He was a sub 10% usage guy last year, so I, so I do think he's a little bit overpriced. Uh, we got the Grove Twins down low, uh, and, and they they played really well in game one. But again, when you only have six guys, you kind of you you're kind of forced to have some stats. The one guy I do want to mention that was out with COVID and who's going to be back is Ellis Magnuson. He's at 3,300. He started all 31 games last year as a freshman. He's their point guard, averaged over four assists a game. And, and so for a guy who's going to probably play 30, 35 minutes, have the ball in his hands a ton at 300 in a pace-up game over under 147, if you're looking for uh, you know a deep cut, uh, Ellis Magnuson is a good option. So Magnuson, uh, uh, Davison, I really like at 4,700, and, and, and Aiken Jr. are all fully fully in play from uh, East perspective that does really really kind of throw the numbers off but i think you got a good pulse on that so i appreciate that yeah and so for arizona um you know that's this is going to be a down year in, in real life for arizona they're, they're not going to be quite as good i think they were counting on some international guys uh that either haven't gotten a waiver or you know for whatever reasons just aren't there yet for junior uh he's but he's there from from georgetown again he's starting point guard shooting guard uh, he's playing 95% of the minutes. Uh, he's got a really nice shot share, nice assist rate. Uh, and I think he's priced fairly. I think 8,100 is fair in a, in a pace up game at home. So, so I'm okay with a Kinjo. And you guys will remember this. So remember our, our love for the Nevada team back in the day with uh, the Martin twins and Caroline down mm. low. Yeah. And, and they brought in that Jordan Brown, that five-star freshman who went to Nevada. He never got on the floor. For that's, that's him. Wow. Yeah. That's, this is him, right? So he did absolutely nothing. For that Nevada team, complete non-factor, sat out a year, and, and now he's at Arizona. 
Uh, he's going to be their starting center. Uh, thank God Chase Jeter is gone. That's the best, <laughs> one of the best news you could ever have. Uh, but he had 19 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks in their first game. Uh, the Goodness. Eagles front line is 6'9", 6'7". Uh, and, and Jordan Brown's only 6,800. Yeah, we, we know he's got the pred- the pedigree. I mean, he was a legit five-star top 10 legit. talent out of high school, uh, seven-footer. Uh, and it seems like, you know, he, he's found his way at Arizona. Uh, and, and, you know, just like UPS, what, what can Brown do for you? Uh, I think <laughs> did he, he sit last year or did he get a waiver this year? I think he sat last year, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember him uh, being, being right. around. So they, they've got some other imports, you know, ter, ter, um, Terrell Brown is, is kind of their point guard. He averaged 20 points a game at Seattle, uh, but came in in game one and really was kind of a, a facilitator. Didn't do a whole lot, so I'm not really ready to invest in him at 7,700 until we, we kind of understand what his role is. Ira Lee is going to be back most likely on Saturday. He was a full go at practice today. And, and so they've got kind of a mess, a kind of a mess at, at uh, small forward, power forward. And, and so I'm kind of just staying away from those guys. I think, I, obviously, I really like Jordan Brown. Um, I think, I think Akinjo you could play um, as well. So I think there's a couple decent options here. Again, one, over under of 147. So, so I do think we want a piece of the action here. So I feel good about playing Brown and, and maybe one of those guys over from, uh, from Eastern Washington as well. Is that uh, Benedict Mathurin? Is, that, is he phony baloney? Well, he's in that jumbled mess of the small forward power forward. You know, you've got, you've got Ira Lee, you've got, you've got, you've got him, you've got, um, what's his name? Terry uh, is a freshman that they really like. They're, they've got a Baker from uh, the UK, the UK transfer. So they just yeah. got too many guys there, and they're all going to yeah. play, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And so I'd, I'd rather just see it separate itself a little bit um, it. before they, uh, before we, we kind of invest in those guys. Uh, you know, early on, it's kind of hard, right? Like it, when you see three or four guys playing two positions, and, and you, you, I want to see somebody separate themselves first before I'm willing to, to fire in. Yep, sure. At least me. Maybe I'm, I'm soft, sure. though, you know. <laughs> no, that's that's the right approach early in the season for sure. Yeah, but again, like you know, if, if you're everybody's got their own level of risk, right? And, and if you're if you're playing for first and you're trying to make a splash, this game does have an over under 147. If you feel like a guy's going to really break out, or uh, you know maybe it hasn't played well yet, but is is about to, you want to do that's when you want to hit on those low owned guys that are gonna that are gonna break a slate. So trust your gut and and, and go with what you think. Now let's go from an over under of 147 to an over under of one. 63. James, you're going to take us through the main event. It's an earlier tip, but get a start us on start the conversation on Gonzaga Baylor for us. Yeah, obviously this is the main event and you know what everybody's going to be paying attention to tomorrow. And I imagine there will be a lot of DFS interest in this as well. You know, I think the big question here and I, I we'll just kind of open this as is more free form. I think we're all pretty familiar with these teams at this point. Um you know, really the question Baylor's deep is incredible um their perimeter defense is as good as i've seen at the college level at least in a long time um and gonzaga's offense is amazing (laughs) they're probably one of the best teams in college that i've seen in a long time period uh and so really you know when you look at this this high line you think you know is that going to hold up uh these teams going to get into a a fight or is it really just going to turn into a kind of a track meet both teams really capable offensively and one of the things that sort of jumps out to me is, you know, we, we wrote it up last week. And I did the Illinois game. You know, Baylor has struggled a little bit containing the opposing team bigs. 
for particularly skilled bigs. Now, uh, Kofi Coburn for Illinois, uh, we sort of thought he might have a big game for, for Illinois, and it just didn't happen. He got into foul trouble early on. And what we saw, though, was that Georgie uh, Mishanishvili came in, had a tremendous uh, first half. I think he had 13 points, and really, they didn't re- uh, Baylor just didn't have an answer for him. And so you got to kind of wonder. You got a guy like Drew Timmy. Timmy, yeah. He's 8,500, uh, incredibly skilled player, really coming into his own this year, uh, really sort of the focal point of their offense. I think they want to try to get him established early every game. Uh, is Baylor going to have an answer for him? Is, uh, are they going to be able to keep the ball out of his hands? And then, if you know, once he does get the ball, or are they going to be able to stop him? So kind of a question, I guess, for you guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on Timmy tomorrow? Yeah, and he missed some chippies against West Virginia. Like he was in good yeah. positions, had the ball in good spots, and just didn't finish like plays that he would normally always, always finish. So people may remember that and maybe be off of him a little bit too. His, his price is right. I, I do, I do agree. Like more of those guys who can do a little bit more versatile uh, bigs probably bode better against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think fluid. it's gonna, yeah. No, I I like Timmy a lot too. Um, and uh, you know we talked. James, you and I, Baylor is missing, you know, Freddie Gillespie. He was a big piece of that defense last year. And with Kofi rendered ineffective to an extent, his absence wasn't even felt in that game this week. Um, I think that uh, that won't be the same case in the Gonzaga game. Yeah. And I think Baylor's still trying to figure out what they want to do uh, in the interior. They've got the Shwama Shashua, if I pronounce that right. Nailed it. <laughs> I think- I think they were calling him every day, John, on the on the ESPN broadcast. But he uh, he looks am- JTT. I call him yep. JTT. Yeah, um, got him on <laughs> my wall us again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looked amazing. Like he looks like a guy that's obviously pretty raw still. Um, he's at 4,800. I'm not sure that he's going to be a major contributor from a DFS standpoint right now. Um, but his minutes are climbing every game that he's been in. And he, you know, he could be somebody that sort of emerges and that you want to kind of jump on. But his athleticism, his energy that he brings, uh, he just seems like he's he's destined to uh, kind of be a fixture down low. Yeah, and Flo Famba kind of stinks. You know, he, he hasn't really shown anything either. So I think he's going to keep getting more minutes, and I think Meyer is going to play uh, more mm-hmm. too because I don't think I don't think uh, Famba is effective at all. So great name though. What do you guys think about Kispert? Seventy nine hundred. Uh, is he a guy that, you know, he obviously, uh, has some size. He's a tremendous shooter. Uh, is he going to got, is he going to get open looks? Is he going to be I, effective? I, I, I really like Kispert and cash. I, I'm always, I'm going to like Kispert and cash all year long. He's just the, the most steady guy on that team. You can rely on him to get a big bucket and make big plays. He's the quintessential college senior, you know, mm-hmm. um, the one thing about Corey Kispert that I don't like from a DFS standpoint is since he's been on some great Gonzaga teams over his four years there, he has had seasons, most of his seasons up until this one, he has been a complimentary piece. So there are portions within a game where he becomes a complimentary piece and he lets Jalen Suggs go and he lets Timmy go and he doesn't assert himself enough in the, the offense. Kispert's sitting at a 20% usage rate. Um, I would like for $8,000 that to be a lot higher number. Um, Bird, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, if you're if you're a 
dominate the ball guy, you're a dominate the ball guy as a freshman and you yeah. carry it through. You don't just become one as a senior. You're an alpha or you're a role player and that, you, that doesn't really ever change, right? You, you either want the ball in your hands or, or you don't. Um, I, I would I would probably lean, you know, so, so my favorite play probably is, is Jared Butler. Um, the Zags have given up, uh, they gave up 90 points to Kansas. They gave up 82 points to West Virginia. Um, so instead of trying to find a way to to beat an elite defensive team, I'm going to go to the opposite side and, and take their best player in Jared Butler, who I thought looked just absolutely phenomenal against yeah. Illinois. Uh, really, he, he's, he's, he was a great player last year, and he's continued to grow uh, this year. I think it's 7,800. His price actually went down. He scored 30 DK points every game, and his price goes down uh, against a Gonzaga team that wants to get up and down, has given up a ton of points this year. Um, so, so I really like Butler, I think, as, as one of your higher price plays as a really stable uh, a guy who's who's going to score 30, 35 plus DK points. Do you guys trust uh, Jalen Suggs for Gonzaga? He went down with kind of a nasty looking injury. It looked like he looked like he tore his Achilles, actually. Um, I think they thought that for a little bit. Turned out to be a, maybe a sprain. He came back in a little bit later. But uh, in the meantime, you saw Nimhard kind of take his place a little bit in the game. Uh, he's at fifty four hundred. Uh, he ended up with seven X at that price versus West Virginia to kind of close that game out. Uh, well, Suggs, Nem- Nemhart's no stranger. Right. Nem- Nemhart's no stranger. This is a guy who was the lead dog at Florida, was supposed to take that school to the next level, and all they did is kind of middle and mediocrity. Um, but Nemhart's still a very, very talented guard, and I was perplexed when he went to Gonzaga. And then when he got the waiver to play this year, I was, I, I didn't, I didn't like that as a Suggs fan after seeing what, you know, what, what I wanted to see out of him. But uh, Nemhard did exactly what you would expect him to do because he is a talented, talented player. Um, but getting back to your original que- question, James, uh, I, I think they're both priced. Okay. Cause I, I don't think Fuse going to slow down or handcuff Suggs or, or, or baby Suggs at all. If he could come back into that game, he's good to go for this one. Got it. Yeah, that's that's the question mark between between Suggs and and Nemard and and Ayayi is like, like you you can't it's gonna be hard to have you can't have six guys on the floor at a time so and, and obviously Watson's usage is way down so so he, maybe he's the odd man out of all this group but um, they they do cannibalize each other just a little bit which is which is a little frustrating. Bird, yeah, we but, got the uh, we got the uh, kind of that you mentioned Butler we got kind of the other big guards there um, Mitchell. Teague and the, and the kind of the big guy Vital there, uh, or Vital, but a guy that you and I have talked about before, uh, Flagler. Oh, looked phenomenal. Uh, he looked, he looked terrific. Great. Yeah, oh he God. really did. Is is that a guy that you would target tomorrow? I think he's going to be popular because he played so well um, on 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 a, on a huge stage at, at 5200. But he still is a reserve. You know, he right. he had the hot hand, and, and so I think he got some extra minutes. Uh, Maceo Teague maybe didn't play as well, but um, you know Teague has a higher shot percentage. Uh, Teague plays about 10% more minutes a game, and, and he's only only $700 more. Um, I, I kind of like a Teague bounce back. I think Vital is is very underpriced. I know Vital doesn't do a whole lot offensively, um, but he is elite defensively. He's a tryhard. Um, he is only what's he priced at 6,300. Um, so I think he's a great four or five X option, and, and I kind of like Teague to bounce back. As, I think he's a uh, Flagler's phenomenal, um, but but Teague is a good shooter too. Like he he's a scorer, uh, and so I think he's an interesting 
maybe a contrarian option while everybody else mm-hmm. goes and looks at Flagler. Right. Uh, maybe you can sneak in some Teague heat. Yeah, makes sense. Like but again, awesome. these guys are all good. Like th- this is why this game is so hard. Th- there's there's great players, and, and especially on Baylor's side, I feel like they're all pretty fairly priced, and, and so you can't really go wrong. I, I think you can't really go wrong with any of them. I think it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be super fun to watch. Can you fade this game and win the slate? No. Completely? No. <laughs> no. I, I actually, I would, I would say you need at least, I need, I, you need at least two. Yeah, I'm fair with that. I, I think you need at least two. I, I think that's, I think that's reasonable. With this, with this high of over under, right. um, it, it's just, it's just really hard. You know, if it was a different slate in, in general, uh, you know, maybe you could, but, but I don't think with the, just a massive over under compared to the other games. It's going to be hard not to have a couple pieces. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. And I assume some of these guys will be uh, on the board tomorrow for prize picks. Yeah. Yeah. The board's not up yet for prize picks. Uh, We've, we've been doing really well overall on prize picks. Again, just a reminder to use either the link. We have a pinned tweet on at CBB underscore DFS. Uh, You can use the link there or do promo code CBB DFS. You'll get a hundred percent match on your deposit. We'll probably tweet out some prize picks tomorrow morning. Guys, yeah. what, do you think that's fair? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we had a three for three, what, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, when yeah. in all of our bucket heads, 5X, whatever they bet. Yeah. I mean, we got to keep it going. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's really easy. That that app's super easy to use. Uh, it's very, very simple. Uh, we have a buddy of ours that, that's been playing and, and doing really well. He he's, he already got a cash out. They got, he got it right away. Um, so so it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Like, you know, another extra sweat. Uh, anytime you can get it, uh, you know, another sweat going, it's always a good thing. And we're probably better at prize picks than we are at sports betting. So, so that's, that's good. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, promo code CBBDFS. If you go to the site and sign up, that would be, that would be fantastic. And like Bird mentioned, we do have that pin tweet out there. Uh, the game is pretty simple. Pick two to five guys, decide if you want to do some sort of all or nothing play or some sort of flex play where you can get some leeway if you miss one. Um, and then just sit back and watch the game. What I like most about it is you're you're not competing against a field. You're competing against the line that they set. Important disclaimer: those lines do move. So anything we talk about or tweet out, it could change up or down um, in in the next hour, two hours. So uh, if you see something, get on it because we we had some really good picks this week that that kept moving on on our bucket heads. So something to watch out for. Yeah, and we may uh, we may introduce a new medium here at some point uh, to try to to give uh, bucketheads a little bit more uh, value. Uh, we, we'll just leave that out as a spoiler. Uh, it's a maybe. You might get to see our handsome faces uh, again. Uh, rate, rate, review, subscribe. I, I think that really helps us to to be seen and, and to be able to you know continue to to grow our our, our base and our bucketheads and. Uh, you know, we just we just love helping helping you guys out and, and really enjoy the interaction and really want to see those screenshots. Want to see you guys winning just a bunch of money. Hey James, can you tell them how to get to the website and where to find us on Twitter? Absolutely. On Twitter, you can find us at at cbb underscore dfs uh, or come to our website at http yes. colon <laughs> yes. forward slash forward slash www cbb-dfs.com well done two for two and extra credit for giving the full worldwide web address <laughs> all right bucketheads we're out good luck on saturday we will uh we'll talk to you all on monday through written text <laughs> <laughs>